a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stilton Pole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. You can find me on Twitter at Spencer underscore Van Horn. That is V-A-N-H-O-R-N. There is no E at the end of that last name. I've seen some people spell Van Horn with an E on the end. There is no E on the end of my last name. Roberto, Spider Dude 247 or something like that. Oh my gosh, Spider Dude 64. Spider Dude 64. I wasn't far off. I wasn't too far off. It was a big number that I was off on, but I wasn't far off. How are you, pal? Doing well. Um, I'm. I just got done five minutes ago, uh, fighting with my child to go to sleep, which is frustrating because normally it's the easiest process in the world to put my son to sleep. What did you go with? Did you do the Hogan leg drop or the Savage elbow? Um, more like the, my son's being kind of a, a little punk, so I had to go with the, the thunder slap on the behind. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, you know, hey, whatever works. Yeah. Well, it was fine. We we read some books. We sang a few times, and then he went to bed. So he is finally asleep. But I am. This is the last time I'll get to record with you this week because uh, I am heading off to Seattle on uh, a little break, a little vacation for a week. Well, that's going to be fun. Um, that'll be uh, Ashley. Not still Ashley Carter, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very good. We'll tell Ashley I said hello. I will. All right, so uh, starting with the Pac-12 questions this week, have you paid attention to uh, SEC Media Days at all today, by, by chance? I know they um, got started here on, on Monday the 19th that we're recording. Just a couple of the things that came out that people made bigger deals about than they should have. But Mulling comments? Yeah, just like Mulling got roped into a question. It was a lose-lose question, you know, like, and, and then there's a comment that he made about Georgia football, which – everyone's taking is like some massive slander towards Georgia and it's just dumb because it wasn't, he just was being, he was being snarky, but he wasn't taking a shot at, he wasn't taking a shot at Georgia. So, well, it is talking season. So, you know, all those little things get ramped up. Yeah, I know for sure. All right. Well, we will, uh, you, you all can go. Did you find hear that. anything? Like, did you come across well, anything? I, I certainly heard that. Um, I haven't gone over too much of, of the things that Ed Orgeron got into, but I did want to take a look at his stuff. Everybody responded very positively to Shane Beamer. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, there were a couple of things, of course, that stood out uh, from Dan Mullen. Um, the doing away with the permanent crossover games. Um, I like, obviously we've talked about pod scheduling and liking pod scheduling. Um, because he was asked about the Alabama game and sort of that being a big deal there at, in the swamp. Of course, it will be a big deal. And um, he mentioned doing away with the crossover game, which for Florida, that would be, I guess, LSU. But I didn't necessarily take it as some sort of, you know, do away with just the permanent crossover game. I My mind, of course, went to pod scheduling and you have maybe the one crossover game. Georgia sticks with Auburn and maybe Florida sticks with LSU. But you don't play Vanderbilt every year on the East or you don't play Mississippi State every year on the West. You know, you rotate through the schedule. You have what what is it two or three rivals that you stick with that you play every year and then mm -hmm. everything else rotates i like that idea and uh hopefully that's something that's sort of circulating out there 
<laughs> and, you know, it's clockwork, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed, I say I enjoyed it. It was one of the things that stuck out to me about uh, some of what he talked about. Okay, yeah. I He got asked a question about recruiting, you know, and losing a bunch of players to Bama. And he basically, you know, let me let me find it just because it is something that, what is he supposed to freaking say? Um, Dan I mean, Mullen, he praised Alabama for being. Yeah, Dan, Dan Mullen asked about battling battling Bama, taking all, all the five stars from Florida. Says Saban has built a great program and built great consistency. Nobody asked my opinions on ratings. Maybe I rate people differently with who we go after and who we want. You know, it it's a it's a bad response on his part, but I also would add, add that it's probably a bad it's a it's a leading setup question against him. Because what is he supposed to say? You know, right. like you know, we we yeah, we we stink and yeah, yeah. yeah. What is he supposed to say? And and at least did you see the article on the athletic about the state of Florida and recruiting? Uh no, I've not. There is a really good article on the athletic. They talked to ten coaches anonymously and two like evaluators. And most everybody ranged from ten to twenty five years experience. There was a thirty five year and maybe there were two guys that were 25 years. Anyway, they sort of hinted at some of the same things that Mullen mentioned in terms of, you know, from their perspective, it seems like Florida is being selective. They have a different way of evaluating. They're kind of trusting their process and that sort of thing. So when I heard him say that, it was kind of like, okay, well, that seems to match up with what the perspective uh, was from the other side, from the, you know, from the high school coaches side of the uh of that equation yeah uh i yeah i agree Spencer. like it's just there's a lot going on in florida right with the sure. recruiting and you know again what's dan supposed to say but also right. at the same time you probably shouldn't make it sound like oh you know it's not you know i'm not the one that has you know rated these guys well you're also the one who has gone after them and tried to recruit them and tried to, you know, you've offered them, you've brought them in, you've tried to recruit them. You just have not been able to get them. So you can't all of a sudden bash the system that you just failed in. Right. You know, like, and so, so yeah, it's, it's just a rough, rough situation for him, but also, you know, there's a part of me, like I try not, I try to be unbiased, but there's a part of me that's just kind of like, well, they only you do such a good job of running your mouth. Like maybe, Maybe you should have to answer for some of the stuff you say. So, anyway. All right, on to uh, Pac-12 questions. Uh, one big question. We're going to get into our um, our deeper review uh, okay. next go-around. This will be our last one big question. So let's start in the Pac-12 North, yeah. the California Golden Bears. Yeah, man. Um, my question is, is like it, it's almost kind of like the same question that it was last year, is – the is the defense going to be the only good thing about this team? You know, we, we this 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 conference probably got hit harder than any other conference when it comes to the whole scheduling issues and stuff because of COVID last year. Um, but at the same time, like nothing stood out that the offense was all of a sudden better. It continued to show that the defense was really good, but nothing showed that this team was better than you know offensively. Yeah, and they only got a chance to play those one, two, three, four different games this past season. And uh, I just had, you know, can they get back on track? It seemed like last year they were one of those programs that were, you know, they were they were building something. There were some things coming together, and 
here we go, you know, getting back, you know, here comes this uh, an interesting California team, like you mentioned, really good defense and trying to figure out some things offensively. And then COVID-19 hits and everybody goes into a tailspin, but you certainly noticed that it affected other teams worse and Cal seemed to be one of those teams. So can they sort of regroup and get back on track with how they were supposed to be going into uh, into the 2020 season? Can they, you know, can they get back on that track? Yeah, I mean, a side question is Justin Wilcox, you know, the last, you know, those first two years seem to be on an upper trajectory, you know, with this team. And, you know, maybe last year is just COVID, right? Um, so but let's see if it's still going to be that way. You know, or get, can we take it? Can we continue the upper trend, or is it just going to be, you know, they've already hit their ceiling, which I, I hope is not the case, and I don't think it is, but it's just still something to think about. All right, the Oregon Ducks, Anthony Brown or Ty Thompson? I feel like that's, you know, what was it, FSU's 2013 team, and there's a few others I'm sure out there, but this is the one that always comes to my mind. It's kind of like the team is ready. We just need somebody to step in at quarterback and take take it over. We, we've got a Lamborghini here ready to go. Now we just need the driver. And it almost feels like certain ways people talk, Oregon is in maybe not the exact same situation, but they're in a similar situation. Anthony Brown or Ty Thompson to jump into what is a really good-looking team out west, uh, maybe the Lamborghini of, of at least the Pac-12, do they have their you know big-time driver? No, I, th- I think that's I think that's a very good question. Um, and because mine was quarterback related, I'll change it and I'll just say, can Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell Verdell can they can they be these can they be the two workhorses that Cristobal wants them to be or needs them to be? Yeah, and he's gonna. I mean, they're gonna have to certainly figure that out going into um, figure that out going into this season in terms of how they want to approach that ground game with uh with those two running backs and they've got you know like you mentioned um they've got two really nice pieces there how do they split that up because verdell was you know 4.4 yards a carry he's not that kind of back he's you know you if you can get him going then he's at least five six yards a carry kind of guy so can you balance those two guys around um around you know who this new quarterback will be absolutely i like it oregon state who the beavers Will the transfer infusion work? There's several, several teams out there that have tons of transfers that they've added to their team. So this is a question that could fit a lot of other programs. But Oregon State seems to have added transfers everywhere. So will the transfer infusion work uh, for Oregon State? I'm putting it on the quarterback. Can Tristan get them to a bowl game this year? Yeah, preseason number nine. So, I mean, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, there's, you know, some talent there uh, with that guy coming in. So, uh, yeah, they've got and, – and it's going to be a battle, I think, at that quarterback spot. Um, I think there's a guy that's transferred in from Colorado. So they're, um, you know, right there, you know, iron sharpening iron kind of thing. You know, can they, can they you know, get the best out of that and then, yeah, make their way to a – try to make their way to a bowl game. Ten starters on offense, nine on defense. There's – there's guys coming back from a two and five season. You almost feel like you could ask the same question for Oregon State that you asked for Cal. You know, can they get back on track? Felt like they've been building something, and you know, COVID really knocked them out of a loop as well. That might be a theme almost in this conference. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it, it's just this conference is so weird, you know. No, one hundred percent. 
Um, the Stanford Cardinal, what you got for David Shaw? Now, real quick before you do ask your question, I don't want you to bring any of your David Shaw sass to this uh, to this conversation. So keep it uh, keep it PG here, pal. Well, I mean, my my question was literally. Mm, so David, you're, going, you're going right after the jugular, huh? Yeah, I, okay. I, I am. Well, because, that's fine. Go because right you ahead. tell me why I should be excited about David Shaw being the coach at Stanford any longer. Yeah. You tell me. You tell me what makes me should make me excited about him being the coach at Stanford. I don't know if you have to be excited about it. I, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I need Robbie Stelton Pole to be excited about it. You know what I'm saying? We're having a party over here in in uh, in Corvallis, or not Corvallis. We're having a party over here in uh, at Stanford. And things are going hunky dory. I don't think we need you at our party, pal. Okay, well, I hope you have that party, and I hope you have the party the next day or later this year of the the new job that he's going to be looking for after this year. You like, think Stanford's going to fire no, David Shaw? No, no, I'm being I'm being ridiculous. Sure, but I, is David Shaw? Can David Shaw win a game? Like, can David Shaw win a big game anymore for Stanford? Like, that's my question. Is the real Stanford about to stand up? Is my question. So these last couple of years. They've kind of gotten away from their their bread and butter. They've thrown the ball a lot these last couple of years. These last three years, they've thrown the ball a lot. And this past season, they finally got back to running the football a little bit um, at uh, four yards a carry. Now, of course, that's a far cry from 2017's 5.9 yards per carry. But it's almost like maybe they started to take a turn back to their roots and that David Shaw will maybe get back into – uh, you know, going back to the ground game and sort of featuring themselves that way that built them back to what they were. So I don't know if they'll if they'll be winning big games right away, but maybe they're building back into that, kind of getting back to their roots. You know how we've mentioned, oh, maybe it was Wisconsin or Iowa State or some of these other teams, like maybe they they can't make a jump to throwing the ball all over the place because they just can't get the personnel for that. Maybe Stanford tried it and it was they weren't Kentucky. able to get the, yeah, Kentucky too. Yeah, Kentucky like, too. And, and look, that, that's probably a fair question. It really is. But I just, I just don't. I've just really struggled. You know this. The last three years specifically, I've struggled with David Shaw. And I thought two years ago with KJ Costello and that white side. I think that was that was one of their baller receivers they had that year. Like I just, I just thought they were. I thought, I thought he was making the transition, and they just have taken steps back because even that year they didn't do what we thought they were going to do. And I just, I just don't know if David Shaw. I think has David Shaw gotten to the ceiling? Is probably the better question that I want to ask. Has David Shaw hit his ceiling at Stanford? We'll certainly um, begin to find out, and I think they'll give him plenty of time to to figure it out there. I don't think. Also, they'll... don't you try to correct me or kick me out of the party because. I'm bashing your man crush. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you didn't let me come to the Oregon State Party or the Oklahoma State Party, so you know, here's here's what here, you know, you get it coming back to you. I didn't want to go to the Oklahoma State Party, but you know. That would be All right. Well, I I've, I've left that party. We know that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have. You called me to come pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Washington Huskies are next on the list. Uh, speaking of darlings and man crushes, it seems as though Washington might be a little bit of the uh, Phil still. Has uh, he is, they are his number one team. So I'm asking, are the Huskies in fact going to be the surprise team of 2021 at the very you know at the national level, or is the fact that we're asking that now ruining it for Washington? Like, are we? I'm almost poo-pooing on the project. Are we too far out 
to be calling for surprise teams? Like, don't surprise teams show up, like, halfway through the middle of the season, sort of? Yeah, I would agree. Like, I actually am high on Washington this year. Like, they're my dark horse to win the conference. Um, I, I think it I think it comes down to three teams this year, like it has been. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, this isn't going to shock anyone, but I think it comes down to Oregon, Washington, and USC this year. Um, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint what Arizona State's going to be. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of... I've kind of lost hope until I see them play without, you know, with all these distractions yeah, going on, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, it was almost as if we uh, – what was it? Greg Sankey said something earlier about uh, at, at SEC Media Days and even in an article with SI.com that the, the timely manner in which the NCAA gets things done in terms of punishments is a little bit out of hand. And that's, I think, applying here. Now, certainly, they've only had this for a little while. But, again, you, you'd kind of think we'd hear something or things need to be done in a better, in a better manner in, sort of in, in terms of time. And so Arizona State is in that position. We, we'd kind of like to know something. They'd like to know something. The teams that have to play against them would like to know something. And, uh, you know, it's throwing a wrench into, throwing a wrench into the works. Well, and, you know, I said that about the prediction. I didn't even ask a question. My, my question really does revolve around Jimmy Lake. Like, was Jimmy Lake the safe hire for Washington, or was Jimmy Lake the right hire for Washington? Yeah, and they're, they're, they're working on that, I guess, at this point. They're, um, I know that there was some – what's the word? There was a lot of excitement. I think Bud Elliott was one of the people that was excited about Jimmy Lake and that maybe some of that excitement hasn't – hasn't played out the way he thought it would and or some of what went into his excitement hasn't played out the way he thought it would and maybe on the recruiting trail or something like that. So and and again, the 19, you know, or the this past season shortened all sorts of things that got in the way, especially out west. Everybody was affected completely different out west. And so maybe that's the the wrench in this whole deal. And now that there's an opportunity to have full season and, you know, they'll get back on track there for for Washington and Jimmy Lake. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I agree. It's going to be super interesting to see there, especially with them. Washington State, how big a step can they take towards finishing? Washington State had uh, several games this past season where they were out with leads, they had opportunities, they were there, and the other team came back and, and uh, really put a hurting on them. I want to say the Utah game, they were up. Maybe twenty-eight to nothing, twenty-eight to seven, something. Was it twenty-eight-three? Good lord! Um, uh, and then end up losing the game forty-five to to twenty-eight, and they were up on USC for at least a little portion of the time before losing thirty-eight thirteen. So, what can they do to finish some of these ball games? Because uh, that could have given them two massive wins on the season and really reversed the way the momentum would be going into this upcoming season. Yeah, my, my question actually was around the same. It was it's literally around the same thing. It was can can, can they can they complete games when can they complete games that they should that they should win even though they shouldn't have been in that position. <laughs> like they shouldn't have been close against Utah. They shouldn't have been close um, in the other game that they were close in, but they were. And so, like, can you close the door? Can you put a team away? Like that's essentially my question. Can they put teams away this year? One hundred percent. All right, so flipping gears over to the South Division, moving right along here on the Pac-12, one big question. Uh, the South Division, Arizona, 
can they just stop the bleeding? It feels like that's a program that's right there on par with Kansas, um, that just nothing is going right. Everything is wrong, um, or at least has been wrong with Arizona. Now, I know that they've hired a new head coach. He's sort of ramped up some alumni to come in. Gronk did the spike, I think. Gronk spiked the football, but he like caught, yeah, Gronk caught the ball from the helicopter and then spiked it, and it was this big thing, and they've got Teddy Bruschi and all of these other former players that have come around. So he's generated some excitement. So maybe he has stopped the bleeding from a perspective off the field. Can they do that on the field? Can they start looking like a competitive football team again? Yeah. You know, my question really is just about Jed Fish, you know, there seems to be excitement around him. Can can the excitement lead to wins? Yeah, I mean it's almost just as simple as that right now. They're they're like we mentioned Kansas. I mean it's ground zero. There's there's no really where there's nowhere to really go but up right now for um, for that Arizona football team. So can they um, can they just stop the bleeding? All right, uh, Arizona State. I'm I'm sort of kind of I don't know what to do with my hands, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's taking so long? Yeah, yeah. My question is very simple: Who will not be coaching at Arizona State by season's end, mm-hmm. or who will be coaching? I mean, wouldn't that be maybe the? I mean, the either one. E- go through. I mean, yeah. E- either yeah, either one is fine. Who will still be coaching at Arizona State by the end of the season? Okay. By the time they're by the time they play, what's the, the Arizona Arizona State game called? Um, oh, isn't that the? No, that's the Civil War. That's what they've no. had to change. Oh, that's no. Oregon State, Oregon. Yeah. So they're the anyway, Apple Cup, I think. Apple no, Cup is Washington, Washington State. Oh, um, wow. Okay, so basically, who, who, who's the who's coaching Arizona State when they play Arizona on November twenty seventh? There, there's your specific question. Very nice. Now, uh, and and just back to uh, what's taking so long. If you remember when the stuff came out about the recruiting violations. There was a note in those articles, and I think from Pete Thamel, that his specific article that mentioned this investigation might actually move a little bit quicker because the people who the NCAA would be calling on to interview about what's going on would be eager to talk, which is different from other situations. Usually, other coaches and other people, uh, you know, in the athletic department might not be willing to talk in fear of you know, whatever, or maybe they're just being protective. But this was a situation where everybody was mad at the coaching staff at Arizona State, mad at Antonio Pierce, and those people were believed to be uh, the people who had been done wrong, that they'd been fired, they'd been watching all this stuff going wrong. They were about maybe 12, 12 or so people. They were they were ready to talk. And so what's taking so long? If those people were ready to talk. Why is this taking so long? All right, Colorado, the Buffalo, um, how how close are they to turning the corner? Seems like Colorado was uh, this past season. It's almost kind of like Washington State and finishing. They they were kind of knocking on the door. They were there were a couple of things here and there that Washington State or excuse me Colorado was right on top of. How close are they to putting it all together again and getting back into uh, turning a real corner. They were four and two last year, so they did plenty of things right. I, I apologize, plenty of things right last year. How close are they to turning a corner and maybe being a a real player there in the South, especially if Arizona State is not going to be who we thought they were? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Um, 
my question revolves around Jarrett Broussard. Um, can Jarrett Broussard win Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year? The kid had 895 yards and, and averaged 5.7 yards per carry, five touchdowns last year in just six games. Yeah, that's un- <laughs> that really is uh, an incredible performance for uh, Broussard. And that's kind of one of those pieces like that that plays into this turning the corner thing on, on my end. Um, he he's, seems to be a big, uh, big piece of that. Yeah, I mean, he just – I remember watching him last year. You know, whenever I didn't have, whenever I could watch him on normal TV instead of that horrible Pac-12 network um, that I couldn't have because I wasn't, I didn't have one of the only two network, you know, cable packages that has that. But yeah, I, I just, I think he has a legit chance to be Pac-12, you know, offensive player of the year if he continues to put out production like he did last year. Uh, JT Shrouts, another sort of reason for optimism, transfer quarterback there from Tennessee, get him into the system. Start, you know, lots of plenty of talent in that quarterback room. I think, according to a lot of people at Tennessee, some of it is exited. Uh, JT Shrout was one of them, and I think he even played a little bit there for uh, for Tennessee. If he can get things going uh, there in um, in Boulder, Colorado, it, it could really prove to be um, prove to be a big step for them, uh, especially at the signal caller position. Yeah. All right. Uh, you go ahead. My first. Am I first with UCLA? You are. Yep. I was going to hand it off to you. Uh, you, you're, you and your your big buddy there, uh, Chip Kelly. Okay. Here's my question: Is the Pac-12 ready for Chip Kelly to go nine and three in their conference? What? Listen, yeah. you. Yeah, man. Uh, I, think, just, I, think UC, I think UCLA is like I know I said that there are three teams who are probably going to be up for winning this conference, but UCLA would be my team. Like, would be that team who I think is. Kind of like Washington, that dark horse team that people – but this team is getting even more overlooked than Washington. I, I don't think people realize how good they looked last year. And and so, yes, they play LSU. You know, they play LSU at home. They have Hawaii. They have Fresno State. And um, and then, you know, then they have the, their typical Pac-12 ca- uh, calendar. I legitimately think they could go – they could go – they could win nine games this year if they continue to show the production that they, that they had last year because – uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is freaking legit. He is very good. Well, and then what happens to the season if they do get a win over LSU there on September fourth? What does that UCLA do is season? back, folks. They get a they get a game against Hawaii. Yeah. LSU will be playing their first game, so LSU, UCLA will get a chance to kind of work through the kinks a little bit. Do I have that right? Does LSU start with UCLA? I think that's the case. Let me double check here real quick, like and in a hurry. Handy dandy notebook here, flipping over, and there they are. They do. They start the season with UCLA. Uh, they do not have a game before that. UCLA gets the game against Hawaii. So, my question for the Bruins: How big is the list of people who are going to owe Chip Kelly an apology by the end of the year? And I think we're putting your name on that list, there, pal. Why am I going to owe him an apology? Because you've been so down on Chip Kelly up to that moment, that question there. You've been very down on Chip Kelly there at UCLA. Have I been given any reason to not be prior to prior to the end of last year coming into the season? Well, does that even matter? Isn't that isn't that how the the apology list works? Everybody dumps on you, and then once you succeed, no matter you know see, no I, matter but, what, see, everybody already, has to apologize. I'm already, I'm already saying he's going to succeed before he does. Like oh, so you've already oh, okay. You see? I see how you're using the magic trick there. Yeah, buddy. Like, I, I see what I, you're doing. I 100 percent agree that I've been very critical of Chip Kelly at UCLA. You know his in his first two years there, but I watched him with play plenty last of year. reason. In fairness to yes. to your previous point, with plenty yeah. of reason. 
I mean, if you and if you look at their games last year, yes, they only played seven games. We already talked about the the Pac-12 being weird about their stuff. They lost by they lost by six points to Colorado, three points to Oregon. They lost by six points. I'm sorry, seven points to USC, and then they lost in overtime at Stanford uh, by one point. Not a single. They did not. They, every game was within a touchdown that they won that they lost, and every game they won. Only one of the games that they won was within a touchdown. So like they they were a they were a very good team last year. They just they just you know couldn't finish against some of the big boys of the conference. And it's taken Kelly certainly a little while to put it together. I think in that second year things were competitive, and this year they turned a corner. Um, yeah, it was that first year where things didn't look great. There were not a lot of great things on the recruiting trail, and then things started to look a little bit better here and there, and there was some competitiveness, and there was some big scoring games here and there, and then this past season, excuse me, and then this past season, they really did start to uh, find a groove and even pick up a couple of wins um, there uh, there for the Bruins. So moving on, speak, uh, UCLA's big rival, getting into the two big uh, championship kind of caliber teams here for the Pac-12. Um, it's kind of, Rob, that's, it's safe to say it. USC and Utah will sort of be battling it out for the South uh, yeah. going into the season, right? I mean, we like Utah yeah. again this season. Yeah, Kyle Winningham. Kyle Winningham is one of the best coaches in college football. One hundred. Like, like I, I, and and Clay Helton may be one of the worst college coaches in college <laughs> football. But no, like I, I will. I, as long as as long as Kyle Winningham is coaching at Utah, I I will just assume I will just chalk him up for at least eight wins. Because they're just going to find a way to do it. They gave up 19 points per game in 18 and 15 points per game in 19. They gave up 26 points per game this past season, but they're going to return nine of those defensive players. It looks like, you know, this is going to be another Utah team. You you get the you get the impression that things slipped a little bit last year because of the pandemic. Nine returning starters, maybe a blessing in disguise to a degree. They're going to uh, they're going to field another good defense. It feels like uh, uh, again this upcoming season. You want to start with them in, in terms of a question or, or USC since we're down here at the final two. Um, USC like is is Keaton slow to, is Keaton Slovis the All American Heisman caliber quarterback that he's being hyped to be? Like that's that's it's simple as that for me. It it all it all rests on Keaton Slovis. Is he is he the guy that everyone think thinks that he is? And and I'm not asking this as a loaded question because I think he's very good. I just don't I just don't know if he's if he's exactly what he's kind of being you know he's kind of being reported to be. I, as meaning I have not seen that yet. It's got to uh it's got to play into it. It's got to grow into it a little bit. Haven't mm-hmm. seen it enough. Yeah. He's had moments. I mean, 17 touchdowns in six games is absurd. Yeah, I mean, had a really good season this past go-around, and of course helping. They won the Pac-12, correct? No, they lost to Oregon. That's right, okay. I always, for whatever reason, I always get that The team that only got in out of a technicality because another team had because they didn't have enough games played. (laughs) And that was Washington. Yeah. Yeah, Washington got gypped out of the the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so for me, my question was, can they continue – this this momentum as a super generic question, big picture question. Can they can the rise continue for USC? 
seems to be things are improving, things are turning around. They've gotten um, they've got a lot of things going for them in Keelan Slovis, like you mentioned. Can they continue this rise that Clay Helton seems to be finding a groove as the head coach there, playing for the Pac-12 championship uh, this past year, losing just the one game? Um, you lose some pieces. You've got to replace some guys. Got to find some running backs. Got to find some other receivers. But you feel like they've done a good enough job uh, recruiting-wise that there's some guys there that should be able to do that. And then again, if Keaton Slovis is what you think he is, then you know maybe he can help those wide receivers come along. So um, things have been improving. Can they continue to do so? Can Clay Hilton capitalize on his momentum? That's a really good question. I mean, because I'm going to tell you, if he doesn't, he will not be the coach after this season. Yeah, it seems like he's done just enough over the last few years to co- sort of keep his job. And so what will that look like again this year? What is What would just enough look like again this year? Would just enough be make it to the Pac-12 championship? No, I mean, well, he did that last year, and then he lost. And that's and that's what I'm saying. Would, would it be enough? Because he seems to be doing just enough. Would getting to the championship game be just enough for him to keep his job? Like, does he just cross the line to keeping it? Yeah, I, I would probably say no to that because I think COVID saved him his job. Like and getting not, there, not ahead. the championship uh, appearance. Not necessarily, like not necessarily, because I, I I really think that if COVID hadn't happened, all the loss of money that all these schools took, especially in the Pac-12, all the money they lost, I I really do think that he would already be gone based off the based off the year prior. You know, like, because we heard it, like everyone was so frustrated, you know, the new AD coming in. I think there's just, you know, the new AD had cold feet because of how much money it was going to cost to buy him out and how much money they lost because of COVID. Now, I could be completely wrong. You're, it's pro- you know, what? honestly, the right answer is probably it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of how well he did and then how, uh, you know, the, the COVID and the financial aspect. We'll see how they uh, they do with their 16 returning starters. Clay Hilton in year seven. Wow. Year seven at uh, at USC, almost a decade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> that that I, he's I, been I hanging remember, on by a thread. I remember, I remember thinking, man, this USC team is going to be after that Rose Bowl game. I was like, oh my gosh, they are going to be they're, they're going to they're going to be so incredible over the next however many years, and ugh, just they have not been. <laughs> yeah, things have just not panned out uh, quite the same way since uh, that 2016. That was only in 2016. Mm-hmm. All right, so that brings us to the Utah Utes. Uh, my question for Utah, will the Big 12 infusion work? Seems like all their big pieces on offense are now or have been uh, Big 12 pieces, including a new quarterback, uh, Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question because I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of Char- Charlie Brewer, and like my question actually revolves around him as well, is – is Charlie Brewer what they've been missing at Utah to win the to win the conference and be a threat for the playoff? Yeah, and and maybe so because that's that that definitely feels like the difference from a couple of years ago when they were in the I think the championship game and I forget the gentleman's name but um, he just he just wasn't enough in that in that championship game they needed to be able to push the ball down the field they couldn't be their sort of ground and pound, run the ball first. They had a really good running back that year, and again, I'm blank on his name as well, but they needed to be able to throw the ball, and this guy just wasn't able to get enough of it done 
Charlie Brewer certainly comes in with a track record for getting plenty of throwing the football done. They've also got a, uh, a transfer from Oklahoma at running back, uh, JT Pledger, that should be able to take over. Uh, that should be able to take over some of that running responsibility that they like to do there at uh, at Utah. And I think he comes in averaging like five yards carrying in his career uh, at Oklahoma. Not a name yeah. you recognize, T.J. Pledger, but nonetheless, there he is. Uh, him and a, and a couple of other guys that have Chris transferred Curry. in. Chris Curry's transferred from LSU. Yes, mm-hmm. there are a couple of other guys though from the Big Twelve that have that have entered the uh, the roster for for Utah. Yeah, right on. All right, so. so We've got uh, our deeper previews are coming up uh, after this. Um, I think Rob and I will do that starting uh, next week. We'll get a lot of those uh, actually recorded, I think, all throughout the week and then release them um, as, as we get them finished. So be on the lookout for, uh, for those episodes to be dropping sort of consecutively almost. And um, we look forward to recording it. Rob's going to leave for Seattle tomorrow. Is that correct? That's right. Gonna go hang out. Gonna go see a Mariners game. Gonna go take a hike. Gonna go uh, to the Funko Funko Pop plant or whatever that place is called. What is the Funko Pop plant? You know those Funko Pops, little toys. Oh yeah, the little pops. Yeah, Yeah, I got a couple. I got a few of those. Places, place where they they are made. So, um, would you like to know two of the five that I have? (laughs) Sure. Would you like to take a guess at two of the five that I have? Bill Murray. Nope. Oh, man. I was going to say, one of them is some dumb character from Ghostbusters. The other one's some dumb character from another movie he's in. Um, or, no, I'm so sorry. Why am I being? I'm thinking, I was thinking too hard. You think way too hard. Two of them are Tom Hanks. <laughs> two of them are Tom Hanks. <laughs> one's just the movies. One of them is 100,000% that overrated movie. Um, no. uh, uh, Forrest Gump. Nope. Apollo 13. Nope. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, Wilson, uh, Chuck Nolan, yes. ding ding ding, Chuck Nolan. Castle, does it have the dumb volleyball? I think the volleyball's in there. Yes, I oh can't see God. the whole box from the, where I'm sitting right what's now. The, what would the other one be? Is it the only time he's cool in Road to Perdition where he carries a gun mostly? Get movie? Nope, not that one. He's got his uh, he's got his uh, tuxedo on, his white tuxedo on. I don't, I don't worship Tom Hanks like you do. So. <laughs> uh, For those the, who don't know, he has a poster of Tom Hanks. That hangs over his bed every night. Well, I couldn't bring that in the move. It got lost in the move. So, it's oh. not, thanks for bringing up that that, uh, that sore spot. Thanks. No problem. I'm sure you've got. I'm sure your body, Tom Hanks body pillow will keep you company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. What's at the other one? What's the second one? It's big. Oh, and big. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So it's just the most generic. This isn't against your Tom Hanks pop. This is just a conversation I was having with my friend Andrew earlier today. So your Tom Hanks pop, the one from Big, is just a kid, just a guy in a plaid shirt. No, it's the white tuxedo. Oh, yeah, the, the, the white tuxedo. Okay. I'm sorry. White tuxedo that he wore to the party, um, yeah. where he, yeah. They or, take the yeah. Okay, I got you. This is waste. This <laughs> yeah. is a huge waste of podcast time. But if you cut this out, nope. I'm going to punch you in the throat. No, Do I not, will not cut it please. out. If you cut out, if you cut out the your. Your poster that I revealed to everyone, I will I will punch you in the throat. No, I don't cut out the quality stuff. I just cut out the stuff where you ramble from from time to time. Oh, you. Mm. <laughs> uh, Lloyd Christmas, Harry Dunn, and Austin Powers are the other three, just in case you were oh concerned. God. Every one of those movies you just listed were made <laughs> before 1997. Okay, Every. so what's the oldest one that you have? Do you have the, some? 
you obviously oldest, got some if you're going to the if you're going to the factory. The oldest one I have in terms of like the, the movie. Okay, we're, we won't count Star Wars, okay? Because that's low hanging no, fruit. We count um, Star Wars. Well, because I have then I have Star Wars characters from the seventies. All right then. But, Look at you. But, I get made fun of for old stuff. Look at you, oldie. I have, but but I have Great Mass Detective. I have a Power Ranger pop. Hey, I hope which Power Ranger? The Green Ranger. Okay. I have the Darkwing Duck pop. Yeah, that's like about it. as old as I got. I, like I have Yoda. Yoda probably is the oldest. <laughs> we got um, from the 70s. Yeah. All right, this is All great right. podcasting. No, I'm working. telling you what, college football podcast turned into a pop podcast. That's right. I'll tell you all about it next week. Very good. All right. Well, he's uh, Robbie. I'm Spencer. Two friends. One love. Uh, catch me on Twitter at uh, Spencer underscore Van Horn. Roberto, you're on uh, you're on there, Spider Dude sixty four. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Very good. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip flop later. Yeah.